so. Um, you know, the Apostle Paul, we're in this series in First Thessalonians, uh, toward the back of your Bible, First, Second Thessalonians and Timothy. And um, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church. This is a young church. It's a, it's a budding church, a growing church. And what you'll find in here is, is a lot of strong uh, apostolic or pastoral leadership. You know, it's the kind of situation that makes people feel like they're going uh, into darkness because there's a lot of confusion in their life. No, we're, we're all about the special effects here. I said, now get it right. Time this just right. We'll use it though. You know, you go into a situation sometime, it might be your walk with the Lord and you do. You're like, oh brother, he's actually going to use it. I am. You do feel like you're feeling around in the dark. Everything is new, new ideals, new goals, new, uh, a new commander in the Lord, a new, a new captain, a new savior to follow. And you've got a life of living a certain way of responding to situations and circumstances in a certain way. And you've got to learn a whole new way to live. You want to learn that new way to live because you've got new desires, new want to's. You desire to put off the old self and to put on the new self, you know, put off the old man and, 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 and learn how God is calling us to live. And then as the Holy Spirit changes your mind and your heart, you begin to put on the new man, the new self, new habits, new patterns. And so this young church is growing new Christians that have responded to the gospel message. And so Paul is challenging them. He's saying, if you remember from the earlier in our series he's saying you're, you're you're doing so well in the lord you're, you're you're growing in christ remember the theme of this book is keep at it you're, you're abounding in love but do so more and more remember it's not it's not a picture of a father who's never satisfied with what his children are doing it's a father who's encouraging what he sees in his children and saying that's excellent now keep going Press it a step deeper. Take that biblical skill you've learned, that biblical character trait, and walk in it even further. Step fully into it as you're growing in Christ. And so he's finished recently just speaking about the fact that, that those who have, have died in Christ are with the Lord. And, and there is a day of judgment coming. And then he continues on with the a series of exhortations or encouragement and exhortation is a, an encouragement in a specific direction. If you're trying to help someone learn a, a new habit, uh, you don't want to just paint a very vague picture of what they ought to be doing. You want to paint as specific as a picture of you can, or, uh, of a picture as you can, or you want to, you want to paint a picture and then you want to point to one spot at it. And you might say, you know, this whole thing is what's going to be, what's going to characterize your life. Today, however, we're focusing on this, this area of your character in Christ, or this area of your skill development as a Christian, or this area of your knowledge of what it means to be a Christian, what it means to walk in Christ. And so there's a list of things. And he says, let's read together in first uh, Thessalonians five, 12 through 22. He says, we ask you brothers to respect those who labor among you and are over you 
in the Lord and admonish you. Esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with them all. See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good and abstain from every form of evil. One picture we get in the New Testament is the church as a family of God. The church as a family of God whose members recognize one another. They, they treat each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. As brothers and sisters who should treat each other the way Christian brothers and sisters ought to treat one another. And this is what we see in the second half. This main concept is in chapter 5. He uses this language. He uses this brother, brotherhood. It could be brothers and sisters, depending on the tense of the word. Uh, brotherhood that he uses as he leads them in what it's like to live for Christ. It bears witness to the fact that God is our father. And then therefore, fellow believers are our brothers and sisters. We belong not only to the day, chapter four, but or earlier in chapter 5, but to the family of God. And this mutuality in our relationship affects how we treat one another. Remember, we've been loved by God. Therefore, as those loved by God, we are to express the power of the gospel by one anothering according to the Spirit's will and by his power. I'm going to say that again. As those loved by God, we are to express the power of the gospel. The power to change people by one anothering according to the Spirit's will and by his power. First, he says, respect your spiritual leaders. Now, I get it. It might seem a little self-serving for me to <laughs> preach a sermon on that. Pastor Appreciation Month. You should respect me. We're just going through the Bible. Here it is. Like it or not. I like it. No, I'm. <laughs> I mean, let's see. Hey, let's get it. I, if you will pick up the bulletin for this month, you'll see an article in there called, uh, Hey, it's Pastor Appreciation Month. Let's make it great. Again, seems a little self-aggrandizing, a little self-serving. If you read the article, and I hope you will, you'll see it has nothing to do with me. It, no, no, it doesn't. I mean, I guess it does. 
It has everything to do with us. I would read that article as a member of Oak Grove Church. Thinking I need to apply these things to my heart. And you know, this isn't new to you. When I mention pastors, me and Pastor Aaron, our elders, Kurt Rich, Todd Wiley, Brian Edwards. It's okay. Be a little awkward with them. Call them Pastor Todd, Pastor Kurt, Pastor Brian. Why? They're not just a board of decision makers. They're shepherds pouring out their lives for the sake of the gospel in the lives of one another. And do we make decisions together? Of course we do. But it's with the, the betterment of the whole church body in mind as we're striving to love and lead our family in this way. He's getting at this idea of respecting, honor, esteeming those who are your church leaders. Now, he doesn't mention particular leaders in the church of Thessalonica at this time, but we know from other letters He's referring to elders and overseers. In fact, he talks about those who respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. We see three categories there. Because of their work for the kingdom of God in seeking to love and lead the new church, or in our case, Oak Grove Church, respect your pastor elders. Esteem them highly. Not as those who who don't ever fail. No. That means we need your prayer more than anything else. God, guard their heart from pride. Guard their heart from temptation, guard their heart from a sense of, uh, of being able to be uh, self-sustaining. Guard their families from temptations that would come by the evil one. Let, let me be a church member that's a joy to lead, Hebrews says. Make it a joy for them to lead you. It would be no benefit for you if it wasn't. And so he's talking about this church that's growing. There's, there are leaders that are beginning to come out from the mix. Anytime you get a group of people together, you're going to begin to see who God has wired to be a leader. In this case, we're seeing godly leaders beginning to come out of the crowd, so to speak. Those who've, who've repented of their own sin, they've acknowledged their need for a savior. They've trusted in Christ alone for the forgiveness of their sins by God's grace and through faith alone. And they're encouraging others to learn to walk and live in the ways that Paul is setting out here in First Thessalonians. So he's saying there's those among you in formal ways and in informal ways who labor among you. That means they, they work hard for the gospel, the good news of Jesus. They pour out their lives. Paul says, I pour out my life for the gospel. That's what your pastors and elders are doing. At times we do it a little better than at other times. That means, as I said, we need your prayers. So those who labor for the gospel, those who are over you in the Lord. Now, we don't really like people being over us, right? 
We'll put up with it for a paycheck because we know we have to have a boss. But like in church, you know, there's a challenge in leading a, a group of people. At, in, in fact, at times, it can kind of feel like you're trying to sell a group on what we need to do. Beg people to follow you into certain things. Sometimes you make changes. They're difficult changes. But they're undergirded by biblical thought and biblical reason. And when that's the case, even if you don't like it, come, let's have a conversation. Let's have conversations. But follow our lead as we lead Oak Grove Church to pursue God's goals in Scripture. I get it. You don't always like the things that God calls us to in Scripture. We don't either. Uh, Let me rephrase. Well, no, in our humanness, in our sinfulness. Right? It's hard. The Lord says, deal with your relationships where there's conflict before you come and offer your gift at the altar. Uh, I'm just going to leave that one aside for now. Well, that's not what the Lord says. What are the ways that God is calling you to follow him that maybe you're just setting aside? Well, God has called us and and others that we're training up in in leadership to come alongside of you and to, to admonish you, to encourage you. Those who labor in the gospel, those who are over you in the Lord, those who admonish you. This is a verb form of this, of this word that means to put in mind. The idea is it's a combination of, of two words. And what they mean is to, to put to mind or to put in mind. In other words, out of concern for another brother or sister that is spiritually troubled. That's struggling in one way or another. A leader lovingly confronts him or her. Now, confront does not equal attack. Although some treat any sort of leadership with direction as though it's a personal attack. But it's not. But out of concern... For your spiritual well-being, which is our number one focus, our number one priority in pastoring, eldering the church family. Sometimes a challenge needs to be brought. And so there's a, you know, it's a confrontation of a, of a behavior or of a, of a speech or of a, a thought life pattern. So out of concern for a brother or sister in trouble spiritually, one lovingly confronts him or her in order to bring about change that brings glory to the Lord. And Paul says, that's what they're doing. Those who are are over you and admonish. That's what's all embedded in that word admonish. We don't use that word every day. So I want to spend a little time there. And he says, esteem them highly because of their work. He says it ought to flow from love. It ought to flow from love for these leaders and a recognition of the labor that they put forth in building Christ's church. I want you to pay special attention to Paul's exact words. Esteem them highly in love because of their work. Nobody's trying to build a mini kingdom here. And if we are, we ought to be rebuked for it. But so long as our name is to, so long as our goal 
is to exalt the name of Jesus Christ and to lead you, church family, those whom we love, our brothers, our sisters, our children in the faith, maybe our our parents in the faith. Sometimes we lead those that are that are older than we are. That, that's a that's a difficult challenge to respect and to honor those that you lead, and yet at times admonish respectfully those who are our seniors. That's a unique challenge. And he says, honor them, esteem them highly in love because of their work. Now why? Because when we start to undermine leadership, people divide and they get into sides real fast. Well, I want to do it this way. Well, I want to do it this way. God calls men to lead. And our call is to say, look at the scriptures, identify the biblical priorities and lead people in that direction with love, with love, but with conviction, with fortitude, with courage. Say, we're going to be a church that preaches the gospel of Jesus. We come across tough passages. We're going to preach them anyway. Or especially. We're not going to follow follow culture. People aren't going to like us because of the stands we take at times. It's okay. We're not out there to please other people. We're out there. We're here to please Jesus in every way. And then he says, be at peace among yourselves. That's an interesting placement for that, isn't it? Respect those who labor among you in the Lord and admonish you and esteem them very highly because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. You know why I think he puts it there? Because if we and I'll include myself in there. If we will be at peace among ourselves, to borrow from Romans 5, if we will seek to outdo one another in showing honor among ourselves, there's a lot less elder refereeing to happen. And we can be focused on winning people for Christ and helping equip the saints for the work of ministry according to Ephesians 4. So he says, be at peace among yourselves. Remember, now you're brothers and sisters. You've got new goals, new desires, new want-tos. Work together. Pull in the same direction. Don't fight with one another. Fight for one another because we're fighting for the kingdom. And he continues, and we urge you, brothers, and then listen to these categories. Admonish, remember, out of concern for another, we confront someone to bring about change. That's that word idle. I mean, admonish. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle. That might mean those who are lazy. And I mean, those who are lazy about kingdom work, it might have meant in their, their day, those who were not striving to work at their day jobs well, because like, hey, Jesus is coming soon, so we just don't have to worry about work. And he's not, no, 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 get busy, work well, right? Work in a way that brings honor to the Lord. So it, it might have been referencing those who were idle in that way, 
or might have been referencing those who are uh, disorderly, those who are who are who are idle, those who are disorderly, those who are undisciplined in their life or in their walk with the Lord. Admonish them. That means bring about an exhortation out of concern for who they are and their spiritual well-being being. We confront someone. Right. And confrontation often comes with a smile. Sometimes I'll ask people because we live in such a sensitive culture anymore. Hey, would it be okay if I share something with you that I am noticing in your life? And I've had people say, no, like, well, I did ask the question. I usually don't just ask the question. But, you know, we want to have a we want to cultivate relationships in the church family where it's okay to come along one uh, come alongside one another. Right. Why do we do community groups for that very reason? So that we can come alongside one another. And before something gets too far down the road, before the trajectory is off too far, man, let's address it quickly. Brothers, sisters, let's let's get after it. Why? Because we don't want to be idle in the Lord. We want to be going after the things of the Lord for the cause of Christ, for building God's kingdom and helping one another go after the Lord. And if you want to avoid all of those things, all of those spiritual realities, you may need to check your heart about your own salvation. Friends. But it's likely that many people just get distracted. Right? People... A lot of temptations in this world. It's easy to get distracted. A lot of really attractive idols. In the form of people or jobs or status. A lot of things that can consume our lives. And that doesn't mean a great job that you love can't be purposed for the kingdom. No, that's the exact opposite. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all for the glory of God. So whatever your work is, set your hand to the plow and say, I'm a Christian here first before I'm a boss, before I'm an employer. I'm a man of God. I'm a woman of God in whatever I'm doing and in, in, in whatever platform the Lord gives me, whatever opportunity the Lord gives me. I want people to know that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through him. And I want to use what God has given me to help people see what a wonderful God we serve. There is no one better to serve. There is no one better to love. There is no greater purpose on this earth than to use all that we have to glorify him. That means to use our life as a sign that points to the goodness and greatness of God. To lead others to see his love. Be about that, church. Help me be about that. Help one another be about that and admonish one another when we're not. Come alongside of one another and say, I know you love the Lord. You just seem like you might be in a season where you're distracted. Do you have your mind set on worldly affairs? Oh, there's so much more to live for. But do what you're doing to bring glory to the Lord. Admonish the idle. Encourage the faint-hearted. You know people that you talk with and it just seems like they're always struggling. By the way, I'm not saying this to make fun of anyone. If you're faint-hearted, you might think I am, and I'm not. 
People need encouragement. People need to be challenged positively. People need to be encouraged, but not encouraged about how great they are, but about how faithful God is. About the fact that God has purpose to save them and will use them to build his kingdom to further his glory and use them to do it. He won't use me to do it. I'm not a very good talker. I mean, how could God use me? I feel like every time I open my mouth, I just put my foot in it. I tried to share the gospel with somebody one time and I totally forgot what I was going to say. I felt like such a fool. I tried to work through a, a conflict that I had sometime, one time and, and, you know, the Lord says to deal with our conflict and to go to somebody if you know they have something against you. And I was like, I don't know how it's going to go. And so, but I tried and it was terrible. I tried to be nice about it. I tried to approach them. I prayed about it beforehand. And then I went and I had the conversation. They said they'd have the conversation with me. And then I went and they just blew up on me. I'm so discouraged. All I want to do is follow the Lord. And then all these things keep happening in my life. We've got sickness in our our family that just seems like it won't go away. I'm trying to follow the Lord and then I lost my job. You see what I'm getting at? Lots of struggles because we live in a sin-cursed world. These are real struggles. These are real struggles that matter. And they are real struggles that happen to real people who love Jesus. And they are discouraged. We need to assess who we're talking with. Am I speaking with someone who is idle and lazy about kingdom things? Or am I speaking with somebody who's not, but they're just so downtrodden. They're just so discouraged. I gave my life to Christ and my life got harder. I thought it was supposed to get better, easier. So what do we do? We come alongside of them. They need a spiritual friend to walk with them, to be patient with them, to stand with them, to bring biblical truth about who God is and who they are in Christ so that they can take the next step. They need someone both to tell them what to do sometimes. They need help to know how to do what they're called to do. And then they need someone to walk alongside of them. This is why we strive to be wholehearted followers of Christ and build these relationships in our community groups for these reasons. No one is a a lone Christian. Admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted Help the weak. Now, in context, this may have been those who were sick. This may have been those who were sickly. I know some Christians who who deal with one sickness after another after another. And now they're not making it up. It's not all in their head. Now, at times, sickness comes as discipline from the Lord. But just because someone is sick does not mean that they are being disciplined by the Lord. And there is a a message out there that purports the opposite. That if you just had faith, 
you wouldn't deal with sickness. That is a lie from the pit of hell. It puts the onus for our health on ourselves, not on the sovereign Lord. And in sickness, people need to be encouraged. They need to be helped to be strong, to remain strong. And then he closes this section and he says, be patient with them all. And then he says, see that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. This is where we get this one anothering idea. I mean, it's there elsewhere, but, you know, I said that our, our, our main point this morning is as those loved by God, we want to express the power of the gospel by one anothering according to the spirit's will and according to his power. In other words, God has loved me and in his son, he has saved me and he has redeemed me and given me power for new living, for new life. And so we are as believers to express what that looks like. We are to to live it out in these ways I've already mentioned and here. You live in a culture, he says to the Thessalonians, where retribution is normal. And he's saying, change the pattern among yourselves, among others also, but primarily among yourselves. Don't repay evil for evil. Someone is unkind to you. Someone is sinful to you. Speak truth lovingly, not for payback, but out of love, out of concern for their well-being. Like, they can't speak to me this way. I'm going to tell them. And we load it up. I've had those conversations mowing the lawn. You have a conflict and something's going on and you, right? Those are great conversations because you always win. I mean, it's easy to win a fight with yourself. No, no. No, the goal is not to win. I've said to couples before, you, you don't want to win. You want to win your marriage or you want to win this fight? You want to win the war or you want to win the battle? What do you want to win? What are you after? If you want to bring glory to Jesus, you want to win the long-term battle. Forget about who wins this one. How do you respond in a way that brings glory to Jesus in the midst of this? And if someone is ungodly to you, don't seek retribution. Don't try to repay evil for evil. We're going to sin against one another. And the world's going to sin against us. Don't seek to repay evil for evil. That doesn't mean you always take everything without ever saying anything because love says we speak. Love says we're honest. But the purpose and the goal, right? When Jesus says, take the log out of your own eye. Why? So that you can see clearly to help another take the speck out of their eye. So first, deal with yourself. Then, in a non-retributive way, a non-payback kind of way, when you've done what you can do to be right with the Lord, talk with them and say, hey, can we have a conversation? Because there are some things that are heavy on my heart. See that no one repays evil for evil. But seek to do good. The word good is the idea of righteousness. Seek to do what is right according to God. That takes some prayer. 
that takes some assessing of what's going on in our own hearts, seek to do good to one another and to everyone. You see the focus there? Now, you know, I've said this is kind of like family talk. It's like you're sitting down at the table and you're having a family meeting and big brother Paul gets up and talks. You know, when you've seen someone in a family, it's a big brother or maybe a big sister. Sometimes you talk as a family and you've had some conversation and then then the oldest one starts to talk and just sort of starts to gently lay down the law. This is Paul. He's not suggesting. Hey, if you think it's a good idea not to be evil to each other, you know, give it a shot. See to it. You've been redeemed by the gospel, by a father who sent his only son to pay the penalty for your sin, which you could never pay for yourself. Now, express what that looks like. See to it. Don't do it. Don't repay evil for evil, but seek to do good. Seek to do what is right according to God's standard of what is right, because now you can. Now you're enabled to live in such a way that expresses the power of the gospel. You know, one day I would have never treated someone that spoke to me in a in a sinful tone in this way. But now I can because I'm not after myself. I'm not after my own pride. I'm not after just defending myself, but I'm learning, learning, learning. Say that learning. We are learning how to live out the power of the gospel, which means at times you're going to do it well and at other times you're going to try and fail. And that's okay. Get up. Brush it off. And get after it again. We're not here for this world. We're not here for this time. We've got a kingdom purpose to live for. And we need not waste every t- any time. So Paul says, see to it that no one repays evil for evil. Seek to do good. Always seek to do good. And he prioritizes. Love each other first. And love everybody else. It's like, why didn't he just say, like, seek to do good to everybody? It's because he's prioritizing life in a gospel church. Life, family life among God's people. Seek to do good to one another always. And yes, of course, to everyone else. Because when, when we're able to live in a way that demonstrates the authentic power, the transforming power of the gospel, people, the Holy Spirit will use those interactions often to prick the heart of someone to be curious. Huh. They could have treated me like this, but they didn't. What's going on in there? I mean, those people are from Lynn County, Benton County, Shellsburg, Garrison. They like this team, that team. There's blue collar, white collar. There's rich, there's poor. There's nice people, there's not so nice people. How are they getting along? How is there such unity that that church is able to thrive? Because the gospel of Jesus is impacting us and transforming our lives. And by his grace, we're able to grow one step at a time. So that we are able to bring glory to God by expressing the power of the gospel and learning to live out the will of God. Remember chapter four, this is the will of God, your sanctification. That means your being set apart to be more like Jesus a little bit every day. 
we're going to come back and finish this next week. So I'm going to pause here. But I want to give you an opportunity as we get ready to share in communion together. Paul in 1 Corinthians says to use this as an opportunity to examine yourself. He says, it's no advantage to you to just willy-nilly come share in the Lord's Supper. Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin. Christian, are you living in such a way that that is expressing gratitude? Not in a sense, we're not trying to pay God back, right? We don't want to have a debtor's ethic. We, we want to live in such a way that I know that my next step of faith-filled obedience will be empowered by God's grace. God gives me grace to do everything that he calls me to do. So we're not trying to pay God back, but we are trying to say, Lord, you have done so much work in my life. You have changed me from being a man who hated you to a man who loves you, from a man who lived for himself to a a man who lives for other people by your grace, Uh, from a woman who, who used to to live a certain way or gossip a certain way or speak of others in a certain way to, to, to a woman who, who loves people and uses my words for kindness. Well, I'm not a woman use my word for kindness, but you get the idea. Using words for kindness and to, to build each other up and to speak wonderfully of other people. God has changed us and we want to live in such a way that is in keeping with how the Holy Spirit works in the lives of his people. So take this time. If you say, I'm a Christian, I am a follower of Jesus, and I believe with all the integrity of my mind and heart that I'm a Christian, come, share in this. Remember that Jesus laid down his life and his body was pierced and his blood was, body was broken and his blood was spilled out to pay the penalty for your sin and for mine. The worship team will come up in a moment to lead us in our closing worship song. And you're welcome to remain in your seat and keep your head bowed and your eyes closed and pray. Or you're welcome to stand up and sing and worship right away. You do whatever whatever you need to do right now in this place. Because with 140 or 50 of us in this room, we're in different places in what we need to do with the Lord. But I would say this, be intentional and do business with the Lord. And come and share in thankfulness for what God has done for you. Because Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is what purchases your ability and my ability to live in a way that brings glory to him. Amen.